Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Queen City Control Room podcast. We're up to lucky number 13 today. I was pretty close to saying number 12 if I wasn't corrected by you before the podcast. What's up? No, not much. Um, finished up working for the week. So we got a nice three day weekend coming up on my end. Some of just, us just found out today that I have Martin Luther King Day off on Monday. So pretty excited about that. We're, we are recording this Friday, January 13th. It's the 13th episode. It's Friday the 13th. Magic Spooky vibes. It's going to be a good time. Spooky season. <laughs> Spooky season's back. How are you doing? Pretty good. Nothing better than doing a little recording on a Friday night. Lots of games going on right now. We got a lot to cover today. We're back with uh, we're back with another another session of QCCR after dark. Facts. The fans love it. <laughs> Where do you want to kick off today? Well, like you said, we got a lot to cover, so I think we just jump right in with our picks from last week. We can go ahead and cover them, get them out of the way. Let's move forward with some new picks, keep the ball rolling in 2023. Let's go from there. Genius. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll start. So my first pick last week was Boston minus 12 and a half at the San Antonio Spurs. I thought for sure. How are the Celtics going to blow this? I know they're on the road. They're in San Antonio, but it's the Spurs. The Celtics are the best team in the East. What could possibly go wrong? How about everything? Celtics ended up winning the game. They only ended up winning by five. I don't honestly know what happened. Um, So obviously I didn't get the dub there. A little bit shocking, a little bit sad, but nonetheless, we move forward. Listen, I was going to, I thought I would go first last week. You ended up going first. I was going to take that game. You took it. Could not be more happy. (laughs) I feel like that keeps happening to us. My favorite last week, I had the Mavs minus six and a half versus the Pelicans. They were playing at home. Luca had a 34-point triple-double. The Pelicans were down a few people. And the Mavs won by 10. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Thank you, Luca. We push onward. You also had, what, Brandon Ingram out, Zion out. It was a good day to pick the Mavs. It usually is. (laughs) Facts. Yeah, actually, it is pretty good. I know that in the beginning of the season, the team overall was kind of flailing a little bit, but Mavericks quietly sitting at fourth place in the Western Conference right now. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Uh, For my underdog pick last week, I had the Lakers plus eight and a half at Sacramento which turned out to be a really, really wise pick for me because the Lakers ended up winning by two. So not only did they cover, but they also won outright. And I feel like that is kind of a makeup for not, you know, picking a winner on the favorite pick here. But nonetheless, the Lakers win. I don't pick the Lakers often, but when I do, we get straight dubs. (laughs) Yeah, you said you're going to take them plus eight and a half or whatever, and They might even sneak out with a dub, and they did sneak out with a dub. Called it. For my underdog, I had the Magic plus six and a half in Golden State, and they took care of business. They beat him by 14 on the road. Markel Fultz is back, and he's feeling himself. So I I think the Magic are grooving right now. 
They're in a good spot. They're trying to take down the Jazz tonight right now. That would be epic. They're only three games out of the play-in tournament, which is pretty wacky. That is wacky. I mean, there's a pretty steep drop-off after them. The Magic are currently sitting at 13th place in the Eastern Conference. Um, Obviously, that's not a good spot to be in, but they're only three games out of the play-in, and they're six games ahead of the next best team, which is the Pistons. So, you know, it's pretty not not a terrible spot to be in. There's not a lot that separates like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 in the East. So it's kind of a crapshoot. But you know what? If you're a Magic fan, you see the you see there's a, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and maybe you make yourself into the playing tournament this year. That would be amazing. The Magic are one of those teams now where if you see them on League Pass, you have to turn them on. Palo has the boys just stealing games they're fun they're throwing alley-oops bull bull is reaching from the three-point line and dunking it pretty much it's it's fun basketball they're having fun in orlando yeah for sure and they're playing the jazz right now and i don't know why but i've ended up watching like every single jazz game for the last two weeks somehow because they always have the late (laughs) spot yep and all their games are close and whenever they put Jordan Clarkson in for Mike Connolly with like two minutes left. Jordan Clarkson catches the ball, the three point line every time and just launches no matter what defenders are where he just launches it. No holds barred, just full send. He understands his role on the squad. He gets buckets. Maybe he thinks he understands his role on the squad. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so long story short, you went two and oh last week. I went one and one. Um, not a great way to start out 2023 for me, but at least we didn't get swept. Um, so why don't we try and improve? We're gonna we're gonna try and go for a four and a week next week, unless of course we have a head-to-head matchup. We are going to True. be making picks now for Saturday, January 14th games. We will tweet the picks out in the morning. As always, if you want to tailor, follow along, see how we do. Let's get the ball rolling. Josh, you are up this week first. So go ahead and make your favorite pick or your underdog pick, whichever order you want to go on. Okay. I just like to put on the record right now where our records are up to 16, seven and one for me and 14, eight and two for you. We're up to, I'm at 69.5% nice. And you're at 63.6% win percentages. Not nice, but that has me at fourth place in the Eastern Conference, third place in the Western Conference. And you are second place in the Eastern Conference, and you're leading the West if you yeah. are in the NBA. So you know what? That's, That's how not we a bad do. record. That's not a bad record. I'm just saying. If you bet a unit on all the picks we've made, you'd be up 12 units. There we go. Fun fact. That's what That's what I like to see at the end of the day. That's what the people are here for, honestly. This is a betting podcast now. You can't legally take our advice, I don't think. I'm not a lawyer. You are, but I don't (laughs) think we can say that. We're not financial or investment professionals. Mm. We're just advising you of the picks that that we're making. And if you want to follow along just for fun, not asking you to do that, you know, have a little fun. Do what you got to do. It's your own money. We don't accept any (laughs) liability or risk for anything that you may or may not do with our advice or opinions. Let's move forward with some new picks. Let's move forward. But if you do want to better picks, win some games, support the podcast, no, no stopping you. Anyway, for my favorite pick, I mean, it's it's not that complicated. The Hornets are bad. The Celtics are good. It's easy. 
Celtics minus seven and a half in Charlotte tomorrow night. Tomorrow afternoon, actually. I just got to roll with them. Trust my gut. I mean, that's what we're doing. I don't know if Jalen Brown will be back, but either way, I think they'll still win convincingly. I think Jalen Brown's supposed to be out at least two weeks. Oh, woof. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to be back tomorrow since he just got injured yesterday or the day before. Mm. Um, but, you know, Celtics are pretty loaded, so I think that's a pretty fair pick. I was also looking at that game, trying to figure out if that's where I kind of wanted to go with it. But at the end of the day, it's not the pick for me. I'm rolling with the Cavaliers of Cleveland. Minus of Cleveland? Three of Cleveland, in case, we're, in case we're confused. The Cleveland Cavaliers minus three in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Um, not, a, not a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. I think they have a lot to figure out. Um, I do think that they are playing perhaps a little bit better now than they did in the beginning of the season, but they're still five and five in their last 10. And the Cavs are also five and five in their last 10, but the, the, the presence and the feel on the court is just a lot. It's just, it's just a lot more um, evident if you watch any of the Cavs games. So I'm definitely rolling with the Cavs here. I think it's going to be a good pick. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm surprised the spread is only three, but we're going to take it. We're going to roll with it. We're going to see how the Cleveland Cavaliers do tomorrow night. Bang. All right. For my side, I need an underdog. You know what? I wasn't going to do this, but I think I just got to pull the trigger. I'm going to go with the Jazz plus five at home against the Sixers tomorrow. Just got to trust the boys. Okay. They're playing okay. they're playing solid ball right now. They are playing at home tonight. They're about to beat the Magic. Not cover, which is not a good sign, but you just got to trust them. Do you see that quote from Donovan Mitchell about Walker Kessler after the Jazz game last week? No. After Donovan Mitchell's return to Utah, he said he went up and talked to Walker Kessler on the Utah Jazz after their game, and he told them, hey, stop calling out all your defenses. Every time you call them out, I know what defense you're going to run, and I can just go right at you. And he dropped 40 on them and beat them. Yeah, dropped drop 46, uh, five boards and six assists. And this is important and relevant for me because obviously it was Donovan Mitchell's return to Utah, right? First game back. But also after they had tweeted out the welcome back video that the Jazz had put together for Donovan Mitchell, I tweeted out from the podcast Twitter account that my guess was he was going to drop 37, 6, and 7. And he ended up dropping 46, 6, and 5. So pretty close bet. I'll take it. Wow. Almost on point there. We'll just say he dropped the exact score line. Pretty much. It Can't was get closer. Perfect. No, I don't hate that pick for you, though. I, I really don't hate that pick. The Jet, excuse me. The Jazz are uh, pretty flashy. Um, after all of the hoopla at the beginning of the season and, you know, them really sitting pretty high in the power rankings, they're now sitting at. Uh, 10th place in the Western Conference, surprisingly tied with the Phoenix Suns, 21 and 23. Mm-hmm. I know the, the Suns are plagued by some injuries, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on today. But um, yeah, a little bit of a fall from grace for Utah, but we'll see if they can pick the pieces back up and cover against a pretty hot Philadelphia 76ers team. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can they can pull through again. For my underdog pick, 
I was going back and forth on whether I wanted to take the Hawks plus five in <laughs> Toronto or the Mavericks plus one and a half in Portland. But I think I'm going to take the Mavericks plus one and a half in Portland. I'm going to ride the Luca wave here. Uh, obviously been a big fan of his all season. Um, but one thing that's really pushing me over the edge is that I saw today that in the Portland's last five games, uh, Dame is averaging like 35 points a game or something like that. And they've lost every single game. Trailblazers wow. are riding a five game losing streak and they're They are two and eight in their last 10. And I don't think that this gets much better for them. So I'm going to take the Mavericks plus one and a half. You've picked the Hawks four times in the existence of the podcast and you've gone three and one in those picks. That's uh, not bad. Should have rolled with them next time. So that does it for our picks for the new week. We're both going to try and go 2 and 0. We're going to sweep. We don't have any head-to-head matchups this week, so we're going to sweep. We're going to go 4 and 0 on to bigger and better things. Now before we get into some hot topics and what we want to talk about across the league, I think we got to do our, our our mentions of the players of the week this week across the NBA as we do every week. And do you have any players in mind? I do, of course, but first I'd like to take you back to last week. My player of the week was Boogie, Boogie Cousins, shout out. He was supposed to go in and work out for the Lakers, be the new star in LA, and his workout got moved to today, but then right before his workout, they pulled the old switcheroo and brought in Myers Leonard to work out yesterday right before him. They heard my player of the week, and they're trying to clown me. Disrespect. Lakers, what are you doing? You hate to see it. Yeah, you truly do. For this week, my player of the week is not an NBA player, but a player that has played in the NBA, which seems to be a trend. Shout out. He has one of the best high school mixtapes of all time. He's a legend. And... He goes by Mac McClung. Mm, okay. Mac has made his way into the slam dunk contest this year as a G leaguer, which is crazy. I mean, there's like a hundred million videos of him on YouTube throwing down sick dunks. He deserves to be in it, but to see a G leaguer in there is it's wild. It's awesome. You got to open it up to really all the best crazy dunkers and give the people what they want. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a very good pick. Um, just announced earlier this afternoon, obviously. So pretty recent on the news here. Love to see it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what these young guys, um, you know, do, right? You have Shaden Sharp in the dunk contest. You have Kenyon Martin Jr. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have Mac McClung. Now, what do they have? A fourth person, right? There's going to be one more person they announce. I think so. If, if, uh, they can stick to the old standards here. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, hey, I love the pick. We'll tweet this out. Also, we'll get, try to get Mac McClung on the show. We'd love to talk to you. Open invitation. I have a, a player of the week. I also have an honorable mention. One's a basketball player. One's a football player, but both worthy of mention on the player of the week uh, segment here. My actual player of the week is a player we've talked about few times on the pod not a not a household name per se but someone who is has i would say captured the hearts of uh 
many Americans over the course of the last year or so after rising to prominence and, you know, engaging in a few gimmicks on the courts, if you will. My player of the week is the one, the only Jose Alvarado. Um, Just a, I mean, I'm going to, I'm talking like I know him personally and obviously I don't, or maybe I do Jose, let's get you on the show, buddy. Um, Stand up guy, decent, you know, really decent basketball player. Good guy to have on the court. You know, we've talked about him in terms of trying to get the rookies their, uh, you know, their double doubles and everything. But the reason I want to recognize Jose Alvarado as my player of the week this week is because not only is he a good guy on and off the court, but, you know, he needs to be shown a little bit of love this week because we tweeted it out from the account, but uh, Jose Alvarado got a technical the other night. And I know, especially in this season, it's not really all that shocking that someone gets a technical, but I don't know if you watched the video. Jose Alvarado was driving to the basket, put the ball in. It was pretty sick. It was an, it was a nice finish. And uh, he pointed at another player. I know that's egregious today's day and age to, to point at somebody, but uh, he did. And it was less of a point and more of like a finger gone, basically. Literally, it lasted less than a second, was hardly even taunting and he got teed up for it um we've talked at at length about this we don't need to go through it again here the refs are out of control and they came down very unfairly and very harshly on our boy jose so for that reason and that reason alone jose alvarado this week's qccr co-player of the week Really quickly, my honorable mention here as well. I don't know if you have any response to that, but my honorable mention here, I just want to throw it out. Um, it's a college football player I want to throw on the podcast here. Um, Diane Nurse Colin. Does that name ring a bell to you? No. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Diane Nurse Colin. There are, uh, there are a few memes out there that are timeless, right? And there's the Popeye's chicken meme in particular, the one I'm talking about now with the little kid who's kind of got, you know, he's got a yellow t-shirt on. He's kind of got his hand over his stomach, kind of looking like who me. And that, that meme has been around for a while. And uh, you know, we can tweet the graphic out or put it in a video or something here as we get back to our social media here and everything. Um, He currently plays D2 football for Lake Erie college. I think he's a lineman. Um, and he had made it known through his own social media that he, you know, he was the Popeye's chicken kid, uh, that was the, you know, pictured in the meme. And so basically it went viral on, on social media and, uh, he was able to get in contact with Popeye's and as a D2 player at Lake Erie college, he signed an NIL deal with Popeye's. So that's amazing. Shout out to Diane Nurse Colin, shout out Lake Erie college and shout out Popeye's chicken. True. Shout them all out. Let them all know. <laughs> Not a basketball player, but still worthy of mention because we just like to recognize, you know, the good goings on across the sports universe here on the podcast. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get into some hot topics here? No, no, no. I'm I'm ready, though. Let's do it. I thought it would be a lot of fun to talk about something new, something we haven't been able to talk about on past weeks yet take the fans in a little bit of a different direction. And as you know, we are coming up on a few things here in the NBA. Um, I want to talk about the trade deadline a little bit later in this episode, but 
one thing that we haven't really talked about yet, except for referencing that it's coming up, is the All-Star game taking place in Utah this year. Um, and because we're getting closer, there's been some returns from the fan voting for players. I thought it would just be fun to talk about, discuss, and and see where your mind is, what your thoughts are on um, the latest returns that we have, which I think came out just a few days ago here. Might have been yesterday. Um Next returns aren't due out until January 19th, so next Thursday. So pretty recent, pretty up-to-date votes here. Um, I'm assuming you've seen the returns, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've seen them. So let me ask you this then. Very broadly, very generally, take this however you want to. Take it in whatever direction you want to. What are your thoughts on the the all-star vote returns? Surprises, snubs, anything to that effect? All right. Well, early returns look like we're going to have another LeBron KD captains show off, which I wouldn't even be mad about. LeBron just finds his way to the top every year, which he can just, he can do that, whatever. And KD has been balling out. And LeBron's not just finding his way to the top, just to to point this out. I have the numbers up in front of me. I'm sure you do too. Uh, LeBron's at 4.8 million votes. The next the next vote getter, I mean, the front court anyways, is Nikola Jokic with 3.4 million. Steph Curry is leading the guards um, with 3.9 million. But in terms of Western Conference vote getters, I mean, LeBron is miles ahead of the next, you know, the next all-star. Yeah. People love LeBron. What can they say? Most popular player on the most popular franchise. Different story, though, in the Eastern Conference, right? You have KD with four and a half million and just, uh, I don't know, 45,000 votes behind him is Giannis. Yeah, that's wild. It's pretty wild. That's going to be close. I mean, I don't think the fan vote is more than like five or 10%, but it's just probably a good thing. For sure. For sure. Yeah, what are what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? What do you uh, what do you think? Snubs, surprises, anything anything stick out to you as you take a look at these lists? I mean, I'll start with surprises here. I mean, you have to take into consideration the size of the fan bases, which, as we do, we just fill out one vote for everybody on your team. So no matter who you are, you end up even on here, even if you're not playing that good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the first one. That catches your eye has to be Austin Reeves with 259,000 votes. That's bizarre. He was there in ninth place for the Western Guards. After the first returns, I thought he would eventually fall off because there's, I don't know, a lot better Mm -hmm. players out there, but Lakers fans are showing up. Is it more surprising to you that he is 38,000 votes ahead of De'Aaron Fox or that he is only... 48,000 votes behind Devin Booker. I mean, both of those are disgusting. I hate to see those. <laughs> That's so disgusting. annoying. <laughs> Can't even believe it. I don't know what Phoenix fans are doing. I mean, Book has not been on the court very much in the last two months while voting's been going on. So I guess people haven't been seeing him play, and a lot of people are trolls and just like to keep him out but De'Aaron Fox wasn't in the first one Sabonis wasn't in either of them so the beam Mm -hmm. team is finally starting to show up a little bit to get one of the guys at least on the list right nice to see I mean that just it to to an extent it shows the power of the Lakers fan base I guess 
um, getting Austin Reeves onto this list. But it's also pretty funny that almost 5 million people voted for LeBron. I mean, not obviously all of those are Lakers fans because he is having an outstanding season, but you know, almost 5 million people voted for LeBron. And of those, probably a significant majority are Lakers fans. And only 259,000 of those voted for Austin Reeves. I just think that's funny. Um, yeah, I think that definitely catches my eye as someone who probably shouldn't be on the list. It's pretty surprising. In terms of other names that I see on here, I love to see Paulo's name on uh, number eight in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, that doesn't really mean anything. It's not like he's that's not like he's going to play in the the All Star game or anything. But it's nice to see the rookie getting some recognition. But for me, another big surprise was um, probably Kyle Kuzma and Nick, and Nick Claxton combined uh, in the Eastern Conference front court. I feel like it's a little bit of a misnomer here. I wish they just separated it out by position. So like you vote for a point guard, you vote for a shooting guard, you vote for a small forward. And I know it's a little bit harder in today's day when players don't necessarily stick to their positions, but everybody has a position. Um, And I just kind of wish that they, they did it that way because to group like Jason Tatum and, and Kuzma in with, you know, the Giannis the Joel Embiid's, the, you know, other big guys like that. It's just this kind of a weird situation to me. But anyways, seeing Kuzma and, and Nick Claxton on the all-star voting lists, it's just weird. Um, not that they don't deserve it if they're having good seasons and and they certainly have had their, their fair share, their fair share of games. I know Kuzma pops off every now and again, and we talked about him last week and whether he should be on the trade block and, um, I know Nick Claxton is leading the NBA right now in blocks per game with 2.6. He's also leading the NBA in field goal percentage shooting 73%. So it's not like he's having a bad season by any means. I don't mean to say that, but in terms of whether he should be an all-star, you know, I probably wouldn't really go that far. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me. Another surprise, um, not as big of a surprise, I guess, but seeing Anthony Davis at number three in the Western conference, just with, again, similar to Devin Booker with how much time Anthony Davis has missed, has missed this season. Obviously, we've talked about him on, on past episodes. When he was playing, he was dominating. But his problems have arisen again. I mean, he's missing more games than he's playing, and it just isn't conducive to you know him returning to the level that he once played at. So it is a little bit of a surprise to me to see him at number three on the western conference front court list yeah same the warriors fans are showing up they have steph on there clay on there kevin looney on there and Mm -hmm. wiggins on there what in the world they they're really showing out and love to see it though yeah they shouldn't even let you put all five starters on there leave some room for the other guys at least yeah i don't disagree i don't disagree with that at all it is a little surprising to not see Sabonis on the list, though. I know. It's it's gross. Disrespectful. Yeah. I saw people talking about it online, but since the All-Star teams only have like 10 guys or whatever, mm-hmm. I think it's 10, people were saying that they should move the All-Star teams up to 15 players on each team. So there's one guy from, well, I guess the math would work out to be one guy from each team in the league makes the All-Star game. More of an opportunity for guys to sneak in. Let's let's talk about that, the merits of it. 
if you so you're saying under this hypothetical scenario automatically each team has one bid to the all-star game i mean not quite what i was just saying that that's how the math would work out but if we want to do okay. one bid from each team that would well, be that'd be wild yeah let's let's talk about that how does that change gameplay if at all if you have one player on each team that's going to play in the all-star game my initial instinct is to think that people would be up in arms which is probably why they haven't done it um that just people would be up in arms because you're missing out on so many great players especially you know even in this day and age of uh so many good guys popping off and and you know playing a lot of gimme basketball we're seeing a lot of duos arise and play you know play play really well together which is probably why you see you know some some uh duos like jason tatum's third in the eastern conference front court jalen brown is fourth in the eastern conference backcourt um one of the best duos in the nba if not the best duo in the nba so Mm -hmm. obviously you also have you know Kyrie irving and kevin durant both playing on the nets both leading the eastern conference in their respective you know categories so you miss out on a lot of that but you also have an opportunity to get some of those other players into the all-star game that you might otherwise miss out on so you know i'm sure this is probably why they haven't done it but would be an interesting concept to try out yeah I think it would be fun. It would probably invalidate the all-star teams going forward. But I mean, when you have 24 all-stars to start the league in the 1900s and there's only eight teams, that pretty much makes it dumb anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe it's not a good idea to take that route, even though uh, it would be interesting to see. But I definitely think I would be in favor for in favor of bumping the teams up to 15 players, just get a little bit more exposure to, you know, to the teams and get some more guys that deserve deserve that recognition, especially with there. There are so many guys that deserve to be an all star in the NBA with how well they're playing this year. Yeah, for sure. Get some more people out there. Get some more fans eyes on them. Can't hurt. Yeah. Anybody that you feel like has been snubbed. That's a good question. I mean, realistically, I would take Derek Rose out of there and put Jalen Brunson in probably for starters. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's a good point. But I wouldn't want to take out Garland or Tyrese or, I don't know, LaMelo hasn't really played a ton of games, but so it's kind of hard with him. But injuries make it tough. Yeah, it it does. I don't know. I feel like Jalen Brunson is probably someone I would agree with. If the uh, if the fan vote only counts like five to ten percent, what's the other ninety five to ninety percent of the vote? It's just like well, the the GMs. You'll be shocked to hear this that uh, I was horribly mistaken. The fan vote is fifty percent of the. Oh, okay. It says fan vote accounts for fifty percent to decide all star starters. So I don't know if that means the teams are just actually picking out the starters. Interesting. But it says NBA players and a media panel account for 25% each. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think it probably, I mean, it probably would follow similar to what the fans are voting, I guess. Um, I think the fans generally get it right, even though, you know, sometimes it can be driven by fan bases, you know, a la Austin Reeves sitting at ninth place in the Western conference guard category. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I think especially as it gets closer to, I think things kind of um, will probably shake out the way they should. So it'll be interesting to see how that all, you know, works itself out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting stuff. 
talking about the all-star votes and, you know, we can follow up on this next week. I have a question for you. Shoot. If you're going to go to the all-star game, how would you even go about buying tickets? I would probably open up the SeatGeek app on my phone. Logistically, I've never purchased all-star game tickets, but I would really want to get the full experience. I don't know if you buy one ticket and you have access to the whole weekend or if you have to buy different tickets to the different events, but I'd really want to see everything. But regardless, I'd get my tickets. I'd enter code QCCR and I'd get $20 off my first purchase. Exactly. I'd do the same. Download the (laughs) app. I'd do it right. Get $20 off. You can't beat that price. Great segue. Amazing segue. (laughs) But they do break up the tickets. You can get tickets for the any of the events, I think, pretty much. Because last year yeah. it was in Cleveland and I looked, but didn't make it happen. No, it'd be so cool someday to go see the dunk contest, go see the three-point contest, go see the skills challenge, go see the all-star game. Like, Just kind of immerse yourself in the experience. Not like the TikTok girls that talk about how they're going to go take a girl's trip to Utah in February. Similar, except it would be a boy's trip. <laughs> and, and we're also wouldn't... going to actually watch basketball. Okay, good stuff. I have another topic I wanted to mention here. Get your thoughts on if you don't have anything right now. Fire. All right. Something else that I feel like has been coming out pretty consistently week after week lately is just the injury bug. You know, it's a long season, 82 games, more than a lot of, you know, other sports seasons around the world. And um, players have to do a lot to, to condition themselves, but obviously can't always avoid injury regardless of how it happens, whether it's because you're exerting yourself too much, or you just kind of have a freak injury, you fall on your ankle the wrong way, going up for a rebound or something. But, you know, some of the more notable in, notable injuries that we've had recently, um, Jalen Brown, we already talked about being out a couple of weeks. I know Jokic wasn't playing tonight. Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are both still out. Tyrese Halliburton's down for a while now. Kevin Durant's also going to be out for a couple of weeks here. So Kyrie Irving's going to have to step up for the Nets. And then obviously pretty much the entire Suns starters plus a couple of bench players are all out right now. So just the injury bug more generally, I feel like it's catching a lot of teams. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what team do you think is going to be hit hardest by this? And how do you think they need to recoup? That's a good question. I'll give you my thoughts first. If you, if you want to think about it, ponder it, go for it. I haven't, I've obviously had time to think about this today because I came up with the question earlier, but one team that has exceeded expectations, you know, halfway through the season, is the Indiana Pacers led by their potential all-star guard, Tyrese Halliburton shipped over from Sacramento last year. And they've really relied on, excuse me, they've really relied on Halliburton to kind of get them where they are right now. They're sitting in seventh place in the Eastern conference, one game out of that top six spot, but regardless, they're in the play in the tournament right now. And like I mentioned, uh, you have Tyrese Halliburton leading the NBA in assists per game. Miles Turner is in the top five in blocks per game. And overall, the, the Pacers are just playing really well. And and they're making it a lot of fun to watch basketball. Buddy Heald, obviously, most three-pointers made in the NBA this season so far. So they have something good cooking in Indiana. And now Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out for at least a few weeks, which maybe means he's going to miss five games. Maybe he's going to miss 15 to 20 games, just depending on how long it takes for him to rehab his injury. And I don't know how that's going to affect Indiana. I feel like the only thing that you can really do at this point is just try and hang on, try not to slip too hard out of that like seventh, eighth 
six, seven, eight seed, right? Um, and just try and hold on until he gets back. But I think a lot of the extra responsibility at the guard position is probably going to fall on Benny Matherin, right? Yeah, I think it would have to. I mean, he's going to he's gonna have to step up. He had his first half of the season to get acclimated and start to mm-hmm. go off. And now the second half, he'll be a lot of time on the ball, a lot of shots and a lot of shot creation have to make up for Mr. Leading the league in assists over there being out. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for Mr. Matherin to uh, show why he you know, deserves the, the recognition that he wants. I know, you know, we talked before he had that quote before the season that like, you know, he, something to the effect of he recognizes how good he is and other players are going to have to show him why they're better than him. Um, specifically speaking about LeBron in that instance, but I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for him to step up and see kind of how he handles adversity at the professional level here. So should be an interesting, you know, stretch here for the Indiana Pacers. And I think if they come out of this, even 500 without Tyrese Halliburton over the next few weeks, I think they're going to be sitting pretty in the, in the play in tournament standings. And I think they're going to send a good message to the rest of the league that like, you know, the Pacers for the first time in a long time, are not playing around, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. They got to get everybody healthy so they don't fall too far fall out of the playoff picture mm-hmm. too much right well i would have to a couple teams i want to mention first i have to mention the suns obviously they're facing quite the <laughs> dilemma right now booker yeah. is out at least through january with a groin injury same old thing he's had since christmas campaign mm-hmm. is out until the end of january at least for the foot Cam Johnson is out still, but should be cleared soon. Chris Paul's out, and Landry Shamit is out. So that's like, and Jay Crowder is out, but that's not an injury. Rip. So that's like seven guys off your team right now. I mean, that only leaves a handful of guys plus anybody you sign or pull up. It's pretty tough to even make it work. I mean, the responsibilities end up falling into eight and who is on minutes restrictions because he was out for like a month. So he didn't even play Mm -hmm. that much today. Right. And Mikhail Bridges, who isn't even a major shot creator, has to pick up the offense. And then they have Damian Lee running the point and playing 40 minutes a game and Dwayne Washington playing 40 minutes a game, who are two guys who shouldn't see more than like 15 minutes on a full health team, fully healthy team. It's a tough spot. Suns never should have got rid of Frank the Tank. (laughs) (laughs) yeah what team does he play for now atlanta hawks baby oh yeah he showed up on my tv yesterday i could not remember (laughs) who that was he just ran across my screen i was like whoa frank kaminsky what are you doing i thought you played in china (laughs) um no the suns man they are in terms of i know you know obviously really that team's probably got bit the hardest by the injury bug right now but I think that's got to be the biggest fall from grace for an NBA team this season from coming back from being the number one seed and basically coming back with the same exact team, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Looking to make a statement and show how last year was a fluke and getting bounced by the Mavs was something that's definitely not going to happen again to, and, and making that statement in the beginning of the season, riding that first place wave for a little bit to now sitting in ninth place, two games under 500, losing tonight um 
not a good look. Obviously, you know, you can point to the injuries and I think that's perfectly acceptable. Um, but at some point, you know, you're halfway through the season, especially with the trade deadline looming. I don't know if that means they try to make some moves or, or what, but should be interesting to monitor. And we will continue to monitor the situation here on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, at least trade for a new trainer or something, obviously, whatever buddy's <laughs> doing there isn't working. So, right. Yeah, pretty much. And then the other team, well, one team I'd mention is hopefully Jokic isn't out too long for the Nuggets. He's missed three games this year. He's out tonight. I have no idea how long they said he's going to be out. All I saw was that he was, like it was announced this morning that he wasn't going to play tonight, but I haven't seen anything about how long he's going to be out for. Hmm. It says he's just out with a wrist and they haven't gone past tonight yet, but if he does miss significant time, they're going to probably fall out of the first place spot. I mean, they're winning tonight. They'll be 2-2 two and two without him in the year. It's not bad, but you can't play 500 and stay up at the top. And I think, uh, you know, we already, well, we didn't really talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, but they're playing a game they should win tomorrow. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and, and if Denver can kind of hold it together. It's interesting just overall to see how teams kind of handle the adversity of having a star player go down for even just for a few games and, and how they kind of handle the, pushback they, they get in those games but love to see it get some more guys some playing time and gear up for the second half of the season so yeah for sure for sure all right i have a question for you let's hear it this might make me sound like a like i don't know what i'm talking about here but i still have a podcast what the hell is the alamo dome I have no idea what that is. I know they're playing at it. I know it's a huge stadium, but I've, I have no idea what that is. All of our listeners mm. down south are going to hate us, but. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, apparently, it is a, has a capacity of 72,000 people. It was interesting to see this come up, obviously, because. Uh, there was all the news about how the Spurs were going to shatter the single game attendance record for an NBA game because they sold, uh, what is it? 68,323 tickets to the game against um, the Warriors tonight. So I feel like if you're the Spurs, you're coming into this like, hell yeah, like let's get it. We're breaking this record. We want to put on a show tonight. And they end up losing by 31 points um, to the Warriors. So yeah. Not a good look for San Antonio, but at least they can claim they broke some sort of record this season. Um, the Alamo Dome, though, I'm just getting some quick facts off of Wikipedia, so don't blame me if I'm wrong here. But it looks like the Alamo Dome is located on the southeastern fringe of downtown San Antonio. The facility opened up on May 15th, 1993, about four months, five months before I was born. It costs $186 million to construct the stadium, and it currently is the home of the UTSA Roadrunners football team. <laughs> Amazing. It does now, look a, like a football stadium in there because the field sure. is so wide. They have, like, the NBA court set up in the middle and, like, 30 rows of fans on each side and then, like, a 50-foot break and then, like, thousands of seats around there. It's like yeah. those people can't even see the court from the first row of seats like you're paying a thousand dollars and you can't even see the court because there's people right in front of you right 
question yeah it's uh has a little bit of the feel of like uh you know the different uh i guess across different sports whether it's football hockey um anything really when they kind of just take a field and construct it in an, inside of another sports stadium or playing a game outside or something like that uh has a kind of just a weird feeling to it it's almost like not very often in the nba do you get a neutral site basketball game right and obviously this isn't necessarily neutral it's still taking place inside uh, the city of san antonio but kind of interesting concept to to roll with the game this way yeah i i think it's interesting too i like when they play at special places no disrespect to the alamo dome even if it did sound like that <laughs> yeah even if it did sound like what the hell is the alamo dome <laughs> It might have came off like that, but I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I meant, I guess. Speaking, though, of the Alamo Dome and speaking of its current, uh, you know, the team it currently hosts, the UTSA Roadrunners, I have to fly down to Plantation, Florida, which is just outside of Fort Lauderdale at the end of February for work. I'm going to be there on a basically like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday potentially flying back Saturday morning type of uh, span there Mm -hmm. that that Thursday night, the Florida Atlantic men's basketball team, which is 25 minutes outside of plantation. I gather from Google maps is playing host to the UTSA roadrunners. And at first glance, you might think who, who gives a shit about the, you know, Florida Atlantic playing against UTSA, but Florida Atlantic did receive votes to be in the top 25 this week. They're not in the top 25, but they got more votes than Ohio state. They got more votes than North Carolina. I'm just saying could be a fun game to go watch. Might have to make my way over to uh, Florida Atlantic university. That would be fun Going down there. Get a little pleasure mixed in. Okay. That sounded, that sounds weird. <laughs> Let's get just a stop little, we're ahead. <laughs> get a little uh, basketball mixed into your business trip. This is uh this is QCCR after dark after all. So I guess take it take it wherever you want to take it. Oh, four players were ejected from the Kings Rockets game tonight. What? Who? Um looks like Malik Monk, Garrison Matthews. Um there's a lot of guys in the scuffle. Trey Lyles is in there. I don't know if he got ejected or not. Hmm. Wow, I flipped over to the other game because the Kings are lighting the beam up 20 right now, and oh, it must yeah. be a mistake. It was uh, Garrison Matthews and Tari Eason were ejected for the Rockets, and Malik Monk and Shemezi Metu were ejected for the Kings. Mm. Wow. I feel like Malik Monk definitely uh, likes to be involved in the drama like that. Malik he also like, he also like flopped to start the start the scuffle, so he deserves to be ejected anyways. <laughs> they should just send the teams home i love it though honestly you know what okay you have fights in hockey right and it's not only like accepted in this sport but it's actually like encouraged in the sport i mean because the players have gloves obviously you know, they're not going like bare fists to the face but otherwise they're not like generally you know if, the, if they're connecting with their face they're connecting with their face and that's that i feel like Maybe don't get in the middle of a scuffle right away. Let the players like duke it out a little bit. Give them a pair of gloves. I don't know. Yeah, don't have a little gloves. Just have them do a little bare knuckle boxing in the middle of the basketball court. Let the boys play. 
Jordan Clarkson has been trying to square up with people for like three weeks now. So, I mean, I don't know if he would actually fight, but he acts like he wants to. I mean, you just have to let the guys get some adrenaline out. I uh, I agree that Jordan Clarkson uh, does like to act like he wants to fight. But I saw this quote from Desmond Bain. He was interviewed on Old Man and the Three. No free shout outs, but um, he was interviewed on Old Man and the Three. The episode just dropped and he said, I saw this on Twitter, but he said, I think Jordan Clarkson's not really the fighter type. I think he's like 0 for 4 so far. Four square ups, no punches thrown. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see how Jordan Clarkson takes that. All right, so we're coming down to the end of the recording now. But before we go, thought it would be fun. We've covered other sports across the across our different episodes. Obviously, we try to stay basketball-centric with a special focus on the NBA here. But we're both big sports fans can't help you know, paying attention to what's going on in different leagues. And for those who follow football, obviously know that this upcoming weekend is wildcard weekend. Obviously, you know, like I said, we're recording this on Friday night. It's now Saturday morning, 1230 in the morning. But um, when this episode drops, all but one game will have been played. But regardless, we're going to do what we used to do with some college football. And we're just going to run through the wild card slate and give our thoughts on the games, push through it really quickly, and just have a little bit of fun with it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, Josh, we have Saturday, January 14th matchups, two games. You have the Seattle Seahawks against the San Francisco 49ers in the 430 slot and the Chargers against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the 815 slot. What do you think about these games? First game, the Seahawks and the 49ers. I don't think it'll be much of a of a big matchup. I think the Niners will probably just roll. I mean, they've looked nearly unstoppable the last six or seven weeks of the season. I think they'll come in ready. And they'll probably just put up points and get a big win against the Seahawks. I should mention the spreads as well. Maybe we talk about that, but um, 49ers are favored by nine and a half points. And I think they have no problem covering that. As far as the uh, Chargers and Jaguars go, obviously the Jaguars are the four seed in the AFC. Chargers come in at the five seed, right? But um, Chargers are favored by two playing in Jacksonville. What do you think? I think the Chargers have a good chance of winning. They have, I think they have more talent on the overall roster than the Jags do. I think you just trust in Jay Herbo, trust in Eckler. Their defense is getting some guys back this week. I think the Chargers will win a tight one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I find myself wanting to root for the Jaguars. Just like a feel-good story. They're on a hot streak. I think halfway through the season... People were just kind of counting them out as being out of the playoff hunt, but they won like their last six or seven games of the season and heard this somewhere else. But basically the last seven games have all been playoff games for them because it's basically been do or die. And uh, I think they're coming in hot and they're going to come in ready to play. And I don't think they're going to win, but I find myself wanting to root for them. But if I had to place a bet, I would take Chargers minus two. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's the way to go. Sunday, January 15th games. Uh, we have four more games to cover. One o'clock slot, you have the Miami Dolphins playing in Buffalo against our Buffalo Bills. Bills are favored by 13 and a half. What do you think? 
I don't think it'll be close. I don't think there's much to talk about. I think the Bills should come in. They'll probably put up a bunch of points, and then hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, it won't even be close at all in the third or fourth quarter. They should just roll them, but I guess anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Especially for the Dolphins playing with their third string quarterback, a lot of their offensive line starters are going to be out. They're likely, it sounds like they're likely going to be without Raheem Mostert as well. Um, last week they played the Jets who they beat to get into the playoffs, but they won 11 to six and didn't score a touchdown. The Jets offense obviously sucks. So I feel like kind of swap that out a little bit and uh, it should be a, you know, pretty big day for the Buffalo Bills. So 13 and a half is a big spread in a playoff game, but I think the Bills probably cover that. So I'll take the Bills minus 13 and a half. Uh, second game of the Sunday slate, New York Giants playing in Minnesota against the Vikings. The Vikings are favored by three points. What do you think? Kirk Cousins, primetime playoff game. Don't love that. So I, I will definitely be going with the Giants. Same. I think they'll probably pull it off. Um, I mean, they don't they don't have much pressure on them at all. They're playing with house money, sneaking into the playoffs. Yep. At nine, seven, and one. I think they'll pretty much throw everything at him. Dable's probably got tricks up his sleeve. They played him close before in the season, I think. I think they'll probably come out and if they can put up some points, I think they'll they'll probably pull off a win. And I I, I definitely agree. Um I would take the Giants plus three. And I just think that anytime you have someone like Saquon Barkley on your team, you're gonna give yourself a shot to win a game or at least keep it close. Uh, bigger matchup Sunday night in the Sunday night, you know, primetime slot there. Baltimore is eight and a half point dogs to Cincinnati playing in Cincinnati, obviously. Uh, start with my thoughts here. I'm rooting for the Ravens. As a Bills fan, I'm rooting for the Ravens to come out and somehow beat Cincinnati, but I know Lamar Jackson was officially ruled out today. And I just think the, uh, the, the Bengals are just going to be a little bit too much for Baltimore. Um, I would take Baltimore plus eight and a half because I feel like Cincinnati has played games close. They've come out in the first half, a lot of games this season and put up points and then just kind of floundered in the second half. Um, so I'll take the Ravens plus eight and a half, but I think the Bengals win the game. Yeah, I think it'll be, it won't be a super big blowout or anything, but I think the Bengals will win it and secure it at least win by more than a few points, maybe win by 10 or something. I think Cool Joe is ready for the playoffs. He always plays up, always has, always will. I think they'll probably pull it out here. For sure. Last game of wildcard weekend, and then we'll get into some shout-outs and wrap it up here. Dallas Cowboys, minus 2.5, going to play against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. I don't love this game. It's not one of the more interesting ones for me on the slate. Agreed. Not a Cowboys guy, except I'm a Zeke guy. I'm not a Bucks guy, not a Tom guy. I mean, I think the Cowboys finally get the get the boogeyman off their back. Finally get the job done and take care of the Bucks. Let's not so forget I'm... too, this is a little bit of a revenge game for the Cowboys. Bucks beat them 19 to 3 week one of the season. I mean, I think Deck finally has to show something in the playoffs mm-hmm. instead of being 
by Mickey Mouse his whole career. I think he's got to he's got to do something at some point. So why not win this one? Agreed. Taking the Cowboys minus two and a half in Tampa. Um, OK, well, that does it for the uh, NFL slate wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend, I guess, is what they call it now. Um, so it should be interesting. We'll keep our eyes on that. We'll keep our eyes on the NBA slate as we go forward this weekend. And especially on those picks we made earlier this episode, got any shout outs before we wrap the episode up? I have a shout out here for you. I'd like to shout out a key member of the beam team, light the beam, Keegan Murray, Mr. Keegan Murray, the rookie. I have a stat for you. 53 players have attempted a hundred plus threes since December 1st. And no one in the entire league is shooting a higher percentage than Keegan at 49.5%. And he's oh, lighting the go. world on fire. They're winning games. So shout out, shout out the Beam Boys. Okay. Love to see that. That's awesome. Good for him. Um, I have a shout out here. This is a shout out to the Atlanta Hawks and Kyle Corver in specific. Um, growing up, huge Kyle Corver fan basically pretended to be him shooting in the driveway all the time because you know he was like your stereotypical white three-point shooter that just hung around the arc which is basically all I did when I played basketball in high school and he was promoted yesterday to the Hawks assistant GM position so shout out the Hawks shout out Kyle Corver you would act like you're Kyle Corver in the driveway (laughs) All right, I have one more shout out, then we'll wrap it up here. I want to shout out Luca, but for not the reason, not for the reason that you think. I want to shout out Luca because he was asked in an interview recently, you know, where he envisions his life in year 20, you know, in the NBA. He said, I don't know about 20 years. That's a long time to play basketball. I'd rather go back to my farm in Slovenia. <laughs> and I think that's just keeping it real. I love it. So shout out Luca. You know gentleman on the court Eh, maybe not a gentleman but definitely a stellar basketball player and obviously a good guy off the court as well so so that does it for episode lucky number 13 of the queen city controller room podcast thanks for tuning in if you have a second take some time and let us know how we're doing by heading over to apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you listen to us talk about whatever we want to talk about and like, follow, subscribe, rate, review, whatever whatever your options really are. And just let us know how we're doing. You can also email us here at the show at queencitycontrolroom at gmail.com. And you can find us on our socials at queencitycontrlrm. That's short for control room. Just, that does it for today's episode. And, you know, we'll keep our eyes on the basketball role. We'll keep, keep our eyes on Super Wild Card Weekend. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.